0: week 11 of the nfl season is upon us as we welcome you inside the tco radio studio for the eight and one edition of the minnesota vikings podcast my name is gabe henderson tatum everett is in studio with me alongside producer eric davison from the vikings entertainment network and uh, helping us break down sunday's nfl game of the week is ben Gessling from the star tribune and ben uh, what a week it has been following last week's win in buffalo Yeah,
1: I mean, I think that is one of the big questions of the week. And and we've heard Kevin O'Connell talk about, you know, we need to get guys turned over pretty quickly this week, in part because there is that physical demand of so many games in such a short amount of time. But also, these are tough opponents. I mean, you have another one on Sunday against another NFC contender a game that's on national TV. And then Thursday night, it's Thanksgiving night, another nationally televised game. And a coach that I would guess is not the easiest to prepare for in a short week. I I don't know that if you are given four days to prepare for a game that the guy you want to see on the other sideline if you had your pick would be Bill Belichick. So there is a lot to get through here for this team and I think they're aware of the challenge. You know, certainly Sunday was was one of the the greater games I've seen in eleven years on this beat. I, I think the only one from an emotional standpoint, being in a locker room, talking to players afterwards, the emotional high of it felt somewhat like the Minneapolis Miracle, just in the sense that it was this, we can't believe we won in this fashion. I mean, it was such an unusual way to win a game and such a dramatic way to do it. Obviously, stakes are not as high as they are on a playoff game, but there is an element of that that you're on this roller coaster. You're on this cloud nine kind of experience, and then you have to come back down from that to play another tough game the next Sunday. So, you know, maybe a good thing for this team to kind of experience it in the event that they end up in that spot in the playoffs, where it's we win a dramatic playoff game, and then we've got to put that out of our minds to get back to it and go try to do it again the next week.
2: Yeah, Ben, I mean, you're in the locker room. You've been in this locker room for years now. I'm just wondering when you're around these guys, do you talk about their emotions? What has been different to you about the way that this team, like the the makeup of this team and the way that they are able to pull these games off?
1: Well, I I think there's a little bit of a – I think the baseline of it is a little bit different in the sense that there's sort of just this belief that we will find a way to pull it off. It's just a matter of of how to do it. I mean, you, you heard Matt Daniels talk about that a little bit today in terms of, you know, hey, we're, we know we're going to get it done. He said Patrick Peterson was saying that on Sunday. We know we're going to get it done. We're going to come back and win this game. And uh, you heard Kevin O'Connell talk about it after the Washington game. He's telling players on the sidelines when they're down 10 points in the fourth quarter, we're going to win this game by three. So I think there is a a level of confidence, a level of, we don't need to panic. We don't need to kind of approach the moment any differently when we get down. That allows you to probably play a little bit slower. You're, You're not playing slower on the field, but you're thinking probably not in as rushed of a fashion. You're able to kind of not panic, not kind of change your normal process when you are operating from that belief of we're going to pull this off. So I I think a lot of that is reflected by Kevin O'Connell and just kind of the way he talks, the messages players get from him. But you also have guys that I think have been given a little more of a, a runway to speak into that process. You have a guy like Patrick Peterson, you know, a guy like Harrison Smith that has been around for as long as those two guys have that can speak into those moments and, and be a little bit more of a conduit to the rest of a younger team than maybe they would have been in the past. So, you know, there's a lot to it, but I, I think just having that sense of let's keep this thing even and let's let players have a little more of a say in shaping how the rest of the team responds. Those have been the big differences
0: I've seen so far. Yeah, we've got uh, Ben Gessling from the Star Tribune joining us right here on the Minnesota Vikings podcast on the Vikings Radio Network, KFAN 100.3. And uh, Ben, you just talked about uh, Patrick Peterson. Uh, His last four games, he's had three interceptions, eight PBUs, a multitude of tackles. In my opinion, I think this is the best four-game stretch that Patrick Peterson has played since being in purple. Why do you think that's the case, and what has he brought to this team?
1: Yeah, I completely agree with you. This has been the best stretch he's had. I mean, I I think some of it has been – he's kind of finding this point where I think he's getting more comfortable in this system, which has been a big change for him in terms of playing zone more often. I mean, he's been a guy that has made his mark in this league as a press corner, I think figuring out how to do that and also kind of figuring out where he can can take some liberties and and be a little bit more physical in the way he plays receivers, I think there's been kind of a happy medium you've seen there in the last few weeks. But, you know, some of it, I think, too, is just he's playing, you see it every Sunday, he's playing with a lot of emotion on the field, whether it's Certainly that Arizona game, you know, we we all saw that and leading into it. and We saw it afterwards and that whole thing played into a big part of it. But I think about games like Miami where he gets the interception at the end and he's blowing kisses to the fans, <laughs> even on Sunday in Buffalo, there was, you know, a lot of that stuff on the field as well I, he's been a guy for all of his pro bowls he's only played in like three or four playoff games in his life so i, I think oh, wow. you have heard him say this and i think he's telling himself this that hey uh these things don't come around that often and i want to make the most of it i mean you know both he and harrison smith harrison smith i think has played in the same number of pro bowls as playoff games and i think for peterson it's i don't think it's even close in terms of the number of pro bowl teams he's made to the number of playoff games he's played so you know i I think for him especially it's i i'm trying to soak everything i can out of the moment
2: as you talk about that it really makes me think back to your previous answer about what these players feel like they can do right so when you say patrick peterson's playing with all this emotion do you think that's something that maybe he feels finally free to be able to do
1: yeah, I think there's certainly more of that. I, I don't think that if he had done all of the talking that he did towards the Arizona sideline uh, in that game, I think the reaction, if if Mike Zimmer is your head coach, is probably a little bit different. I, I don't know that that would have flown in the same way. And, and, you know, he may have been told, Kevin O'Connell may have said at some point, hey, let's dial this down a little bit. But I think there's a little bit more of a, if guys are, are going to you know talk a little bit on the field and, and be a little bit more demonstrative, I, I doesn't seem like that is sort of frowned upon maybe. And, and you saw some of that with Zimmer too, but I, I think that it's a little bit more uh, allowed, a little bit more encouraged, maybe a little bit strong, but yeah, celebrated. Yeah. it just accommodated in that regard. So I, I think there's probably a little bit of a, reflection of, of leadership and how they respond to those sorts of things. So there's, there's a permission structure to do it, I mm-hmm. guess, probably the best way to put it.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like you, permission structure to do it uh, kind of explains Kirk's success thus far, having a, a coach yeah. that pretty much lets Kirk do what he does he understands what Kirk is being a former quarterback and Kevin O'Connell uh, when you look at Kirk's stats it's not the most glaring thing but when you look at the record it's eight and one a lot of people have saying that Kirk's trust is the reason why this Vikings team is the way it is how has this trust evolved over his time here as a Viking?
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that's that been a big noticeable difference. And, you know, the the numbers, like you said, are not as good as the ones he's put up. But I, I think you look at the way he's played the position, just, a, you know, from an eye test standpoint, he, there's a, an awfully big difference. And they are, I think, asking him to, to read things a little bit differently and probably make some more uh, contested throws, which that's not going to help your completion percentage. You may throw an interception here and there, but there's also been a lot more big time plays. And I think there is some of that trust. It's him having, I think, a bigger voice in the game plan. It's him having a lot more control of the line of scrimmage. I mean, that that has been noticeable to me all year in, in just even going back and watching TV copies of games. You know, we don't always hear it in the press box, and you, and you may not hear it Sunday with all of the noise in the stadium, but those on-field microphones, the number of times he's hard counting and then either canning plays or, or checking something in the line of scrimmage, he's got a lot more to do I think at the line that he's had in the past and that probably leads to a little bit more freedom of this is the call that I feel comfortable executing or that this is the play that I think puts us in the best situation so I think some of those things play into it you've also seen I think probably a little bit more encouragement to say hey give your guys a chance give Justin Jefferson a shot at a 50-50 ball or trust yourself that you can extend a play and make something happen. The ball doesn't have to come out all the time right away if you feel like you can ride it and and still find a way to make a play. I, I think the, the pocket presence stuff, making plays outside the pocket, we've seen a lot of differences. I mean, some of the throws he made on Sunday, too. Just We've talked about the number of contested catches for Justin Jefferson, but the one he threw, toward, I think it was in overtime, yeah. on the right hash, yeah. and he throws it back almost blind to the left sideline of the field. And That's I insane. asked him about that earlier in the week. He said that was a protection thing where protection broke down, I threw it to a spot, trusting Justin's going to be there, or it's going to go out of bounds. But that was a heck of a throw, just the arm strength to make that throw, and that's also a trust thing. Trust, yeah. I trust myself to do it, and I trust Justin Jefferson to get there.
2: Yeah, you asked Coach O'Connell about Kirk and his confidence. What what did you read from his answer? What did you get out of Coach O'Connell's answer?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think there's certainly been a... I mean, some of it with O'Connell, I think, has been he's very consistent about communicating his own confidence in, in Kirk and I think Kirk feeds off of some of those things and, and just Kirk is able to I think kind of build off of what he breathes from coaches he's always been a guy I think that takes a lot of cues from coaches he, he's talked about wanting to play the position in the way that the coach wants it done that's an important thing to him so I think when you have some of that reinforcement from the head coach as consistently as he's been getting it I think that's a big piece of it, and and uh, you know there's there's just a lot of it with him that I think has, has just been a, a different thing. I mean, you, you've seen I think the relationship between the two of them just lead to more confidence in Cousins on the field, uh, trusting what he can do on the field, knowing that if he makes a mistake, it's not going to be the end of the world it just it seems like a a, a different type of relationship and, and you kind of have a lot of it just feeding off of that
0: mm-hmm. I understand that uh, Ben we're going to go to break uh, but when we get back I, I want to talk about this this buzz there, there's a unique buzz around uh, the Twin Cities right now and I think the Vikings have a lot to do with that so uh, Vikings fans don't turn the dial we'll be right back with more on the Minnesota Vikings podcast hey Vikings fans right now you can pick up a commemorative Vikings cup at US Bank Stadium Fill it with an ice cold Pepsi, and you'll be ready for football watching.
2: Spalon Montage is the Twin Cities' premier salon and spa destination and proud official hair sponsor of the Minnesota Vikings Cheerleaders. With three convenient locations in Edina, Woodbury, and Chanhassen, there's a Spalon close to you. Visit online at Spalon.com.
0: Welcome back to the Minnesota Vikings podcast presented by Pepsi M. Gabe Henderson, alongside Vikings.com's Tatum Everett and producer Eric Davidson. On the line right now is Ben Gessling from the Star Tribune, at Ben Gessling on Twitter. And, Ben, uh, right before we went to break, I wanted to um, get your thoughts on this buzz right now, right? You know, this is a Minnesota Vikings team that is eight and 8-1. Uh, you got the Dallas Cowboys, yep. America's team, uh, coming to town. Then you have a Thanksgiving game at home. What does this week of Vikings football mean for this team on a national level?
1: I think it means a lot. I mean, you, you've you seen it this week just coming out of that Buffalo game. The, the level of attention to the Vikings nationally has gone up quite a bit. And some of that is, you know, everybody kind of said they need a signature win. They need to kind of prove themselves a little bit. And and I, I think the Buffalo game certainly did that. But the, the manner in which that game was played, obviously, is I mean, that was the game of the year. Yeah. In the NFL, it's it's yeah. hard not to draw attention to that when the Vikings become the first team in the history of Highmark Stadium to win as a visitor after trailing by 14 points or more at halftime. I mean, you know that, and then the the overtime stuff at the end of the fourth quarter stuff just the dramatic back and forth of it, it's hard not to take notice of that. So if you go beat the Cowboys, if you go beat the Patriots on Thanksgiving night, or, or maybe even just split those two, I mean, it's it's a, a tall order to yeah. assume they're going to win every one of these things. Certainly possible to do it at home, but nice. either way, I think in these types of games, these are high level brands nationally, even if they're not at the top of their, their game in terms of the Patriots, this is not Tom Brady's Patriots at this point, but These are teams that you see on national TV all the time. And there's a a level of pedigree just in terms of a brand on a national level. That is a different thing than most teams in the NFL. I can remember when I was at ESPN, you'd see the, the traffic reports every day for all 32 teams in the league with the NFL Nation thing. And and uh, the Patriots, the Cowboys, and I think the Packers generally were, I and mean, the Vikings were up there, but those three were, you know, it's just a little bit of a different thing because of the national nature of those fan bases and some of the players they've had and that sort of thing. So if you're going to win these types of games and you get to 9-1, and 10-1, whatever it would happen to be, that's going to, it's hard to ignore that, even if you are, You know, in flyover country, or people think, God, I don't know about Kirk Cousins, or, you know, whatever it might happen to be. This gets to a point, as Kevin O'Connell talked about, that the teams that deserve to be talked about will end up being being talked about if you win enough to get yourself there.
2: The Vikings might be getting talked about, and there might be a buzz around the Twin Cities, but. The national odds makers are not listening.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they need to get on board.
2: Uh, As of today, currently they are uh, one and a half point underdogs at home. Yeah, Yeah. and per ESPN stats info, it's the first time since 1976 that a team eight and one or better was a home underdog.
0: That started the
2: disrespect. I'm just kidding. No, Ben, what do (laughs) you think about that? Like, what do you think? You know, obviously, maybe you know Vegas doesn't know everything either. So, what do we think about that? like narrative going into this.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. And I, I'm certainly not like odds maker guy to the point where I can tell you exactly what thinking goes Save. into that. But I mean, Vegas tends to be pretty good at yeah. studying a lot of these things. But I also think there's, it, it seems like some of these early lines sometimes are meant to tease out some money from, somebody trying to bet the other side of it or fan bases that may get a little bit riled up and say, what? No, I'm not, I'm, I'm betting on my team or, you know, whatever it would happen to be.
2: (laughs) They know the Vikings so well. Well, I mean, (laughs) I've seen that at
1: at times, I think with some of these lines, probably more so, I feel like that has happened with Packers games. Some where Mm -hmm. you see a line come out that is kind of, People kind of, the theory is, are you trying to tease some money out of the fan base to get them to bet on it? But yeah, it, I think some of it may be a little bit of the, well, all of these close games, the, the total margin for the year in terms of points, scored versus points allowed, is not as impressive as you would think for eight and one. And I think the Cowboys probably actually have a higher scoring margin for the year, I believe, than the Vikings do. So that may be playing into it a little bit. And, and you may be saying... National TV, Kirk Cousins, you know, some, I, I would bet some of those things are still baked into it. I'll be very curious to see what the, the line is for the Patriots game next Thursday too but yeah I, I think there's there's probably still a little bit of that go win a game comfortably and go beat a team of this nature
0: consistently before those spreads start to change I,
1: that's kind of my armchair theory on it but uh, I, I have a feeling some of those things are baked
0: into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah I think to that point I mean it's kind of been a, a trend for the NFL this year was kind of these one score games I think we're, we have a record 60, yeah. 68 games decided by a touchdown or less uh, which is like a record through the first 10 weeks of the season and uh, when you look at this Vikings team like we've played 27 games through the past uh two seasons and 21 of those games have been decided by a score or less like do you think this trend is what the NFL wants or like how it's going to continue to go or I guess I guess my question is like where does style points fit in this mode of where the NFL is going.
1: Yeah, I, I wondered this because I, I wrote about this a little bit this week, too, just after seeing the NFL put out that stat. I mean, there's no doubt they want this. I mean, they like the fact that these things are exciting, and the system is set up for that, right? I mean, it, it, it's set up to kind of equalize teams in the sense that the salary cap is, is non-negotiable, the draft status, there's no lottery. I mean, if you have the worst record in the league, you will be the number one pick, no questions asked. So the league has set up a system that allows teams to rebuild quickly and it means for close competitive games. I mean, all of that is why it is the product that it is is. talking to people in London about this. They were saying, this is why we have come to love the NFL is that, It's not like the English Premier League where there's five teams that have a chance because they buy all the players. There's there's a level of hope and expectation that these games are going to be close that just doesn't exist in other things. So there's no doubt that this is a feature, not a bug of the whole thing. The question, I think, becomes if these games are going to be close every week, You know, the, the common thought is that there's some randomness that goes into close games. Are you going to be able to win close games every single year? And the Vikings, I think, have whether it's situational masters or just kind of having a mindset of we're not going to panic. There's sort of this experiment going on. I think of, can we hack these close games? Can we make it so that we win these things consistently, even if there may be a a bounce of a ball that we need to help us out every once in a while, can we win these things on balance? And, so far, they're, they're 7-0 in, in those games, and, and that's why they are where they are. It's going to be really interesting to watch that year over year in in the Kevin O'Connell regime. If there are this many close games and everything seems to be pointing that there's going to be more of them than there have been in the past, can the Vikings consistently be a team that wins more than their fair share of those? Because if you can do that, you're you're going to have a leg up in the modern NFL, I think.
2: You talk about these one-score games, and a lot of this comes down to what – Coaches and players consistently talk about where it's the details, the small things. How much do you think those details play into what they're doing? And by that, I mean, I'm kind of trending towards the the Vikings' strength in their penalty differential, where they are so low on the list in penalties, and then high on the list in penalties against. Yeah, I mean,
1: it's it's been interesting. I, I think. I wondered about the penalty thing at the beginning of the year with this young secondary, because what you typically see with young corners is they get grabby and they get penalized a lot for pass interference or illegal contact or defensive holding. We have not seen those things become big problems for this group in the way that you would maybe expect or the way that we've even seen in the past with some of the young corners around here. So, that has been a big deal. And I think it's especially a big deal when you have a guy on the other side of the ball in Justin Jefferson that sometimes people just say, we have to grab him to try to stop him. And that he had a big pass interference penalty he drew at the end of that game on Sunday. And that's, you know, it, when it's a spot foul in the NFL, that's as good as a catch. And I think that type of stuff plays into some of the penalty differential that they've been able to draw some of those DPIs. And you haven't seen as many of those go against the Vikings just because the, the technique has not been such that they've been called for it much. And I, I think you have that, you have not as many offensive line penalties as we saw last year. I mean, yeah. that, the beginning of the year last year, that was all. The time. Don't that remind Holy us. Udo early <laughs> I forgot <on>. about that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there was the, the Cincinnati game, holding penalties. It was false starts, uh, you know, all that stuff right at the beginning. That has gotten cleaned up quite a bit since then and i think that's a lot of where you've seen it is just those common penalties holding pass interference they've been better at cleaning those up and and they've been able to get some of those called against other teams because of guys like justin jefferson or zadarius smith that will be able to draw those
0: things. yeah um last question for you i think we got about a minute left here um penalties is going to be a big thing in this game uh this dallas cowboys team is the fifth most penalized team in the nfl uh six offside penalties which is the most in the nfl um for for this Vikings offense playing against this Cowboys defense, what's one thing that I guess could be an X factor, I guess, in determining the outcome of Sunday's game?
1: Yeah, I mean, we talked about the hard count thing a little bit. Yeah. And I, I think that you could see that being a big deal, especially at home when the crowd's going to be quiet. Cousins has used that hard count a lot more and you have a group that has a lot of good pass rushers and if some of that if some of those penalties are coming because of the aggressiveness of that group you may be able to take advantage of that and then if you do you can get some of those free plays I and mean, we you know we've seen quarterbacks use that Aaron Rodgers is is kind of the one that has used that the most but if Cousins can get some of those and maybe a free play or two you know in a close game that can make all the difference so i would keep an eye on that as, as you mentioned the offside staff for the Cowboys Certainly a spot where in a close game, we talk about all these little details. That could be a spot where Cousins can use that hard count to an advantage and uh, maybe create a play that, that tips the game.
0: Well, uh, Ben, appreciate your time today. Uh, we could talk to you all day. I feel like I say that all the time. Uh, but at the same time, Ben, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, this. I guess just the outcome on, on Sunday's game because this is going to be a, uh, an electric game. U.S. Bank Stadium is going to be packed. Uh, it, it means a lot for this Cowboys team as well as this Vikings team. So uh, looking forward to seeing you at U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday.
1: It should be a fun one. National TV, uh, Vikings fans typically are not big fans of the Cowboys. Uh should be an electric atmosphere there. It should be a lot of fun.
2: All right. Big thanks to the Star Tribune's Ben Gessling. You can follow him online. Follow his articles. Great stuff, Ben. We thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much for having
0: me. 3.25 p.m. Central kickoff. Vikings, Cowboys at U.S. Bank Stadium. Vikings fans, looking forward to seeing you there. For Tatum Everett, Ben Gessling and Eric Davidson, my name is Gabe Henderson. And thank you again for tuning in to another edition of the Minnesota Vikings podcast presented by Pepsi. <laughs>